Welcome to Season 2 of the CandyCast Podcast. I'm Daryl Kieser, CEO of CandyBox Marketing, and during this season, I'll be interviewing CEOs from various industries that grew rapidly during the pandemic. During these podcasts, I'll be trying to find out how they rose to the top while many of their competitors shut their doors. Grab your favorite candy, sit back, and enjoy. In this episode, I'll be interviewing Greg Brown, an internationally recognized thought leader, advisor, and top-rated speaker on change, leadership, and the future of work. Greg has been inspiring organizations over the last two decades all over the globe and engaged thousands of audience members from corporations going through radical change. Enjoy. Well, I'm excited today to be interviewing uh, Greg Brown. Uh, Greg is an internationally recognized thought leader, advisor. Uh, He's a top-rated speaker on change and leadership and the future of work. Uh, He is an author. He's an entrepreneur. He's a mentor to many. Uh, he is all, he's spoken to organizations uh, such as NATO, uh, the UN. He's featured regularly on Rolling Stones, Newsweek, uh, Forbes. And, uh, you know, the list goes on and on, but uh, I'm going to get into the podcast opposed, as opposed to going through all these. Greg, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So, like, a huge part of... Of of Greg Brown is is you on stage like just like you're you're found in stages uh, across the globe, and uh, stages were shut down for the last two years. I know you've got an upcoming uh, event in April, which is exciting. But what has this looked like for the last two years? Have you, have you been uh, you know sitting at home just reading articles? Um, what has what has the life of Greg Brown look like when uh, you know the stage is the the last thing that's going to be opening? Well, probably like most people back, you know, on March 10th in 2020, my calendar cleared. So I had, you know, a full slate of events booked, very gratefully, and then it cleared. And, you know, one of the first things I do when bad things happen in business, instead of saying, you know, what can I sell? First thing I tend to do when I remind myself is to say, how can I help? And so I took a step back and thought about, you know, what's going on on the planet? What can I do? I thought, well, I do a lot of leadership work. So I thought, well, maybe I could do something around virtual teams. And then coincidentally, one of my clients said, hey, can you do something virtually for us on leaders on how to lead virtual teams? I said, sure. So I researched a bit, pulled something together. They're like, can you do something for staff on how to navigate and do daily habits for this? And this is like right when the pandemic started. And by April, I was very fortunate that my calendar filled up with virtual events. Now, I didn't know, I'd done virtual events for a number of my clients in the past, but not with the same, you know, with the same amount of of events. And it just started taking off. And, you know, I didn't really have lights. I didn't really have a good camera. I was using my laptop camera. And so I phoned... um, uh, probably Joel or someone young, and said, what do I need for my laptop? And they're like, get this type of camera with a built-in mic and get some lights. And so that just sort of started, and then it took off. Amazing, amazing. And, uh, I mean, I, 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 we could probably find out a lot about how your business model uh, pivoted in the last two years, but, I mean, you're, you're in the business of, of change management, change leadership, um, this is this is nothing new that you've been speaking about. Um, it's you know it's obviously evolving, um, but when I when I take a look at organizations, uh, change was always a choice for organizations before, and now we are almost forced into change right now. And so, what is the thing that that you've seen organizations do in these past two years that have either put them on the winning side or the losing side of change? Well, I think there's a couple of pieces around that. One is 
you know, one of the pieces I've said for years is that you know, the self-imposed limitations that we put around ourselves, what we can do, what our organizations can do, are often the biggest barriers to great shifts and great changes that we want to make. So to give you an example, you know, if I'd said to any large organization or even you probably, hey, let's make everyone virtual in your organization. You probably said, well, it's going to take us about a year to plan because, you know, we see clients on site and we do this. We have to make sure everybody's set up at home and we got to do this. We got to make sure occupational health and safety regulations are covered and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, from the big banks right through to, you know, smaller entrepreneurial firms like yourselves and mine, we made that shift within a week to three weeks. And what it really showed me was that when we have to put pressure on ourselves or on our organizations to create change, we are way more change ready than we think. And we can do way more than we even think we can. And I think that with the businesses and organizations that have done well over the last two years, they're the ones who've taken that and asked the question to themselves, you know, what is that skill, ability, quality, leadership practice, you know, whatever it is that we've all been able to develop over the last few years, how can we apply that going forward? Because if we can survive COVID and do this, what can't we do? Mm. That's a really good point. Yeah. And and you you get this cool like front seat to all these different organizations that are looking to implement change. And some of them make it, some of them don't. Uh, and when when you're looking in as I mean, you're you're also a consultant like advisor, when you're looking into an organization and looking at their change readiness, um, what are some key elements that that you look for? Uh, to see if they're actually going to be successful or not? Well, I think, you know, is the leader modeling the behavior that they want their staff to do? Wow. And all you have to do is look in the news globally and to see that going on now and see how it mobilizes people when a leader steps in and goes, I am going to lead alongside you. I'm not at the front you know, pulling you along with this clear vision, because I have no idea what that is. I'm not at the back like that silent bulldozer guiding you. I'm here leading alongside you, because I'm going through this too. And I think that's what I have seen with, you know, whether it's your world leaders or what like we're seeing currently, or whether it is leaders in organizations, large or small, that, you know, the difference with going through COVID has been, we're leading alongside our teams. And change readiness is all about leaders, I don't care if you're a business owner or, you know, an executive director of an NGO or, you know, a CEO, doesn't matter what your job title is, is that, you know, being willing to acknowledge, you know, your issues around the change, your, you know, uncomfortability around it, your ability to disclose your issues about it builds trust with your team. And when you build trust, they will almost do anything for you. Wow. And, and so you mentioned like as a leader discovering uh, what you're not comfortable with, what you're afraid of. Uh, but a lot of times people say that leadership is a lonely place. So um, where do you find that fostered in like a, in a corporate culture where you're saying, OK, you need to deal with your fears, your insecurities. Um, you know, a lot of people are uh, have admitted they're like, I hate Zoom. Or, I, I hate re- remote work. And and they almost just like. They, they rejected it before it even began. And so um, how do you find uh, workplaces and cultures actually foster an environment 
in order to for people to go through that realization of of challenge and change because it it just seems like we're we're just jumping from like it's not like this was planned out it's like it's crisis planning it's crisis change um and so what do you see that organizations organizations can do to actually make this uh an environment where people can see this well i think it's you know one of the things i i think is really important is not to get caught up in the selling and convincing mindset so i you know i blame TV commercials, which say, buy this dish detergent and your clothes will get extra, or your dishes will get extra clean. And so we think as business leaders, um, and again, regardless of your role, when you're trying to engage people in your ideas and get them to take action, that we have to sell and convince people. And I think that's hogwash. I think it's about getting into the mindset that it's about how do I engage people in my ideas so they can take action. And it doesn't mean positive thinking. You know, I wrote an article years ago on the tyranny of positive thinking and putting a positive spin on a bad situation. And I think the reality is sometimes you got to get into the negative to get out of it and acknowledge it. You know, and I think, you know, the other piece with organizations and where leaders um, have to be clear with themselves and with their teams and with their staff is that organizations are not democracies. And that is sometimes hard for all of us to realize because we get bought into how it runs. You know, we have a committed team around us. They love working with us. We love working with them. And sometimes we have to make decisions that are not popular, that are not great for people. And that's sometimes hard to accept for people. And and we have to be willing as leaders to listen to that. As as a Personally, as an owner of a digital agency, uh, you know, when you're talking about commercials, like that's our that's our business. That's that's where we default to, like positivity. Let's sell this. Let's get on to the next. But you're right. It is it is getting into the hard questions because if you're not asking them as a leader publicly, people are asking it anyways, just quietly. Um, now, now, in regards to what's coming up next, um, you talk about the future of work, and you you spend time thinking about how organizations are going to be looking in the next few years. Uh, it's it's unfair for me to ask you to summarize because I, I could probably sit under like a three-hour workshop of you giving the future of work. Um, but what are the things that you feel that are not the obvious things? Like everybody's saying, well, you know, I was reading an article the other day saying, well, two out of five people would leave their job if they were called back to working full-time. It's like, I get that. Like, sure. But what are the things um, that you're noticing in regards to the future of work that leaders actually need to start tackling now? I think the biggest thing is what, uh, when we talk about, you know, a hybrid work model, which, you know, I do believe, you know, remote work, I think, is fine for certain organizations and certain roles. However, one of the things we've noticed with uh, COVID and everyone working at home is that relationships have become very transactional, meaning, you know, you book a meeting with Zoom, you have the meeting, it's purpose-driven, and you get it done, and then you don't talk to that person again until the next meeting. But one of the things that I really believe, and you, you know this as well as your listeners, that, you know, some of the most important conversations happen over coffee or the water cooler or over lunch or where that creativity happens. And you can try to do creative conversations on Zoom, but it's not the same pop. You know, it's very structured. It takes longer amounts of time. 
And, you know, relationships are like parking meters. They need to be fed and they need to be nourished. And, you know, in the last few years, I've worked with leaders who've said, oh, we do chew and chats on Friday or they do, you know, cocktails and coffee at 5 p.m. or something and ways that are less structured to try to feed those relationships. So I think as we look to hybrid work model, it's looking at what is our presence in the office going to be combined with purpose. So I think our when we're going to be in the workplace, I think it needs to be intentional. It's not, there's no reason for people to come to the workplace and spend their whole day on Zoom because I can do that at home. So what is the presence with purpose? What is that intention for you to be in the workplace? And I think that is the number one challenge and issue that leaders and staff, because it's not just up to the leaders to do that, it's up to the staff going, if this is my day in the office, how can I best use it? Well, I need to meet with these people in person. I need to, um, you know, have a team meeting about this. I have a problem solving issue I need to solve. I'm going to schedule that for Thursday when I'm in the office. If I need to do writing work or deep thinking or whatever, I'll do that at home on Monday and Wednesday. And having those conversations with your leader so that you are very clear about when I'm present, I have a purpose in the office. Uh, um, besides feeling guilty for uh, not doing 5 p.m. Uh, cocktails and, you know, we're an agency because we do we do those at 10 a.m. sometimes. And so, <laughs> yeah, um, so so guilt aside, um, I, it, it almost sounds like we need to be retrained uh, how to work because if you're saying, well, this, this is an in-person meeting, this is not right now. Um, we've turned into these meeting zombies, like where it's just like, okay, meeting, 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 every meeting has the same amount of time. It's always camera on. Um, personally, I, I, I grieve the, the, the death of the conference call. Like, remember conference calls? Like, like we would walk, you'd walk around your office, you'd look out the window, you'd, you would, um, you'd be able to think without being recorded in 1080p. And, and I'm just like, like. I would have great conversations going for walks, being on phone calls. And now um, I actually had a client this morning and she was like, I don't want to be on video on Zoom. And I'm like, we don't need to like just relax. Like if you're just at home and you're you're hanging out and you just want to look at the proposal without making sure that like your eyeliner is correct. That's great. Yes. Like fine. Uh, but but we all almost need to retrain and just say, okay, there's different types of meetings for different types of purposes, and we need different types of tools to handle that. Like, let's just not kill everything with a 30-minute, you know, 1080p HD Zoom meeting. Well, there's lots of research that supports that, because what we know is, is that if you're constantly on video Zoom meetings all day, and we, it's not conscious, it's subconscious, we're paying attention to how we look, how we sound, what we say. And again, to me, it's about presence with purpose, you know. Does this need to be a video call? No. Let's do a phone call. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's do that. You can still do Zoom and not have a video on. Um, and, and I also think it's about being very clear that as people return to the workplace and start to engage with others, you know, it, it's like watching TV at home, which we've all been doing on Zoom. It's like watching TV. And then all of a sudden going to live theater or a live concert. Your senses are stimulated differently. We're going to respond differently. And that's what coming back to the workplace is like. It's like all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I'm seeing you. We're having a live conversation. We're not on Zoom. We're doing this. We're doing that. So your senses are stimulated. You know, you're probably wearing pants instead of sweatpants. You know, there's going to be little things like this. It's going to take you longer to get ready in the morning than it normally would because you don't, you're out of the, you're out of, out of uh, sync with doing that. 
And just for the, uh, the the purpose of a lot of people listening to this on the actual just podcast, both Greg and I are wearing pants. We are. We are wearing pants. Yeah, your pants are much more fancy than my pants. Um, and, and so uh, so in this, like it it almost seems exciting because you're right. Like there's a there's a stimulation between getting people in the boardroom, getting sticky notes out, working on stuff, but then like you know not. Um, uh, not just getting rid of the convenience of a, a Zoom meeting when you need to or, or file sharing, et cetera. What are the things that you're really excited about? Uh, or like even is there a company that's doing something that is like that is way more interesting in that area in regards to culture or or the future of work and what they're doing? Uh, because you just get to see so many organizations. Like what's some, something exciting where you're like, if I were to lead an organization, this is something that I'd have in my toolbox. So I think the most exciting thing, and I've, I've said this, uh, is, is for the business owner or the leader to take a step back and go, what is the work that we are doing? And how are we doing it? And and this is the time to do it. It's like, it's, you know, in March, 2020, we had to take a step back, go, what's the work? What are we doing and how are we doing it? It's time to do that again. And it's going to be different than it was prior to 2020. I love it. Yeah, it's going to be very different. And, and also to be aware, there's not going to be a new normal. There's going to be a new normal 2.0, 2.5, 3.0, 3.2. And it's going to shift and change as we start to navigate this future. As you know, there's the great resignation people are talking about as, as roles shift and change. And COVID prompted that. It forced people to go, what do I want to do with my life? And I think as leaders and organizations that certainly I'm talking to, we're sitting back going, what do we want to do with our work? How do we want to work? We have an opportunity to, to, to still do the work we need to do. So say as a digital agency like what you do, how are we going to do it? If we're in the workplace, what work are we doing in the workplace? You know, and I know you've started that process. And, you know, what work are we doing if we're working at home? When is the best time to have these meetings? Is, it, is this an in-person meeting? Is it a teleconference? Is it a one-on-one? -on -one? Can we do we want to record it so we can send it off for transcription to one of those automatic transcription services for five bucks? Like there's things we can do differently. We can repurpose things that we couldn't necessarily think about doing before. I mean, you can you can take an interview and send you know the audio file that you download from Zoom off to automatic transcription services for five bucks and get almost an article back that you can edit. There's multiple ways that you can start to think about doing your work differently. I, I think I think for uh, business owners, business leaders, people that are uh, entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, that's inspiring. It's like let's uh, let's get out of uh, and I, I think we're pretty much out of, we're almost like post-crisis mode. It's like we operated in crisis, I would say, for me, at least for a year. For a year, everything was just crisis, 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 crisis. Um, and then, and then, but we haven't really graduated to like, you know, out of crisis planning because you don't make good plans in a crisis. You don't make good decisions when you're, you're panicked. Um, that's a really good question. What do you do? How do you do it? And like, is that the way that you're going to be doing it in the years to come? Um, I, I keep hearing business owners say like, oh, like once things go back to normal, you know, like back, they, they keep almost talking about like them about to jump into a DeLorean with a flux capacitor and go back to 2019 and we're just resetting. And it's like, no, 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 like the jig is up, guys. Like people that are working from home are working from home. The the tools that that we have done during crisis, 
it's almost like we're still in the default setting. It's like you load Zoom, the video goes on. And it's like, who decided that? Like, well, I think there's a lot of good reasons for that. I mean, with COVID, for example, you know, it's the largest global event that's happened, you know, in my lifetime and in most of our lifetimes. How we respond to it, you know, is based upon our history, where we've lived and so on. You know, for, you, you know, the challenges I had with lockdown, as I'm sure you did and many of the people I know did, you know, were, were very different than, you know, when I was doing sessions with people who maybe live around the world who, who say to me in a session, you know, I lived through a civil war. I'm really happy with the lockdown. Actually, I'm not being bombed right now, you know, and I'm not making light of that in any event, but showing that perspective can really help us. And, and we've been trained for two years to be reactive, you know, because there's constant shifts and changes we're having to do with changes that are out of our control, which is, you know, for most people that work in organizations, changes are out of their control. It's all about how do they implement. And now we have, we're starting to be more strategic again. By that strategic, I mean more forward thinking, being able to create plans and visions for the future. And that's, we're still having to balance that. And, um, but, but that's the challenge I think we all have is, you know, where do we want to go? What do we want to do? We have that opportunity now. And we realize that we are not as limited as we used to think we were. That's awesome. Um, I, I think a lot of us need to step away from our tactics and tools, go back to strategy and, and create a plan going forward. Now, uh, for the people uh, listening today, Greg, um, what are the areas, uh, online that, that they can find out more about you, follow your path, your thoughts? Uh, what, are the, what are the avenues that people can connect with you on? Absolutely. Easiest way is probably through my website, which is bechangeready.com. So just the way it sounds, bechangeready.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Instagram, Greg Brown TO for Toronto, Ontario. So Greg Brown TO, they can follow me on Instagram and Twitter and all those usual places that are there. So absolutely. Awesome. Or use that uh, that one search engine website. What is it called again? I think it's uh, Google. That's right. Yeah, and it's Greg with exactly Greg with uh, two G's here. Greg, thank you so much for the interview today. I know um, as a as a business owner myself, um, I'm actually just I'm, I'm challenged. I feel like I need to go back to a whiteboard in a number of different areas for for being change ready, uh, and really excited to hear all that's coming up uh, with with your career and everything you're speaking about publicly it's uh you know now is the time that organizations need to have you in and and hear what you have to say so thank you well thank you thank you so much for having me and thanks for having your team have me too and work with me thank you for listening to this episode of candy cast if you like what you've heard make sure to hit the subscribe button for more sweet conversations also continue the conversation with us on social media by following us on instagram and facebook at candy cast club Until next time, thanks again for listening and stay sweet.